Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, visit our website at overflowdfw.com. All right, let's stand up. We're going to... We're gonna... Uh, declarate is what I said in first service. <laughs> We're going to declare uh, this prayer. I know we've been a lot of declaring. You've been standing for just one more, just one more, and you can sit down for a little bit. Sit down for about two hours after we're, we're done with this. All right, y'all good? All right. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen, amen, amen. Well, hey, we're on week three, right? We're on the third section of this. I'm sorry, we're week four. We're on the fourth section of this prayer that Jesus gave, gave us, right? We call it the Lord's Prayer, but it's really not the Lord's Prayer. It's the disciples' prayer. And so we've been talking about this, and the first week we talked about is our posture, our posture when we pray. Did you know that your posture when you pray is important, that there's a right way to pray and there's a wrong way to pray. And Jesus talks about this. Oh, God just hears everything. No, no, no. He has a way that he wants you to pray. And so it's important that we have our posture set in the right place that we're addressing him as father, like what Pastor Nathan was saying. You know, he's our Abba, that we're coming down to his father, but he's not like bro dad. He's like a holy father, right? And so he's 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 a, he's a father that we honor his name and we declare that. And then when we talked about the, the priority of prayer, And the priority of prayer is this, is that God's kingdom would come on the earth as it is in heaven. So when we're praying, we're praying the will of God, that the kingdom would take dominance over everything that's on the earth, right? Some people call that warfare. It's just, you can call it whatever you want to call it. We're calling it the kingdom coming. And the kingdom is invading, and it's overthrowing every kingdom that would oppose against that. And last week, we talked about the, the mode that we get into when we start praying for our provision, right? Give us our daily bread. And so we're praying, Lord, we, we, need, our, we need our needs provided. And we get into petition when we're praying. And, and so we talked about that last week, that we pray persistently, we pray specifically, and we pray confidently. And we can pray that way when, when, when we're praying, when we're asking God to, to meet our needs. It's not according to our need, but it's according to his riches, right? That God will supply all of your need according to his riches and glory. So we can pray uh, persistently, specifically, and confidently. And this week, we're talking about purging. Purging. Oh, we hate that word, purging. Purging means you're getting rid of something, right? And so this past week, Pastor Leslie and I, we did some purging at the house on Thursday night. You ever do some purging at the house? Maybe you purge your closet. Maybe you purge the garage. So we decided to purge the refrigerator and uh, not purge it like we were going to eat it, all the stuff. We're going to get rid of, you know, leftovers that have been there and they're moldy for about three or four weeks, right? How many of you know what I'm talking about? Come on. Getting rid of stuff that's been in there. So we're doing inventory. And going through and cleaning it, you know, getting the Clorox wipe and wiping it out where he got all funky. And so I I had the assignment of we have a, a fridge in our garage and it doesn't have much in it. Usually it's got like a case of bottled water or something in it, and maybe like a jar of pickles. And so Pastor Leslie said, Hey, why don't you go do the garage? And I was like, Okay, because I wasn't really excited about it. So I went in there and I start looking in there and I'm throwing stuff in the trash and I saw a bottle of mustard. Now mustard lasts a long time. If you don't know that mustard lasts a long time. And so I look at this bottle of mustard, little bottle of mustard. We're not really mustard people. We're more like mayo people. Come on. Come on. We're, we're all about that mayo. And so I pull, I pull out the mustard and I look on there. Expiration date was February of 2018. 
I was like, that had been in there for a minute, and we know it lasts a long time, so we know that mustard was like at least like five years old, so of course, you know, I wasn't going to try to squeeze it on a hot dog, it's okay to use mustard on a hot dog, but never on a hamburger, and so I, uh, you know, threw that away, I'm already hungry, and so we purged, we purged our fridge. Listen, some of you have things in your life that are way past the expiration date. They're just, they're just living in there. And they're t- the problem with that is, is that it's taken up space in your heart. There's something fresh that God wants to do. But instead of him doing something new and fresh, you would rather keep something in there that's old and rotted and rusty and poisoning you. So God wants to purge that stuff from your life. And we do this when we're in prayer. Write our debts. Forgive us our debts. Debts in Scripture. Debts when Jesus is praying, he's talking about sin. The debt of sin. So, Lord, I'm asking that you would forgive my sins as as I forgive those that sin against, against me. And so some of you today... Uh, are going to be reminded of some decluttering that needs to happen, right? Some of the some of the stuff that's taken up. So let's look at this. Forgive us our debts. How many know that that in the kingdom, we have these moments. We 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 do things, right? We go to a camp. You know, when you're young, you go to a camp. Or I, I remember going to camp, and the guy was like, "It's like a hospital. It's like we we deal with all of our issues at camp." And then the problem is that year you collect all these things, and those things go bad, and then you don't deal with it till you go to camp. Or you come to church, you know, once every three or four months. And when you come, you're like, oh, just get the purging done. But when Jesus is calling us to this prayer, it's a daily prayer life. Just like there's a daily bread, there's also a daily purge that needs to happen. And so whenever I get into this place of prayer and I'm getting the posture and I'm asking for permission or provision and I'm getting in that place, I need to do a purging. And I need to go, Lord, yesterday, that guy in traffic, you know, when I was yelling out, cussing him out, right? Whenever I, was, whenever I was being rude to the woman at Walmart who's, you know, already having a rough day. Come on. Or whenever I yelled at my spouse because they weren't doing things the way I wanted them to do, right? Lord, I know I missed it. I know that I sinned. And then so what you do is you get in that moment and you begin to purge those things. Lord, forgive me of my sins. And so let, let me encourage you in this when we talk about the debt of sin. If you are in Christ, you are positionally righteous, right? I mean, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But that prompts us to practice righteousness. Because you are righteous in your position, now you have a practice of righteousness in your life, right? So don't tell me you're the righteousness of God, and then you're going out and you're sleeping around, right? No, 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 you are positionally righteous, and now the fruit of that is playing out in your life. You practice righteousness, and this is the deal. Even though our position is secure in Jesus, we sin every day. Even though your identity, I don't believe that you're a sinner anymore when you came to Jesus. I believe you've been reborn. But even though you're in Jesus, you still sometimes practice sin. Am I the only one? Am I the only one that screws up every day? So if I'm daily sinning, then I'm daily need a purging. And so some of you say, well, I don't sin every day. Well, I would suggest you do something, you have something different. You have this thing called pride, a spirit of pride, and that is the sin that you're in, and you need to repent of that. Romans 3.23, we know this, for all have sinned. How many of us? All of us. Every one of us have sinned 
and fell short of the glory of God. Now, that word sin, we don't like talking about sin in church, right? We like talking about self, but here we'll talk about sin because we want to get rid of it because I want to love God with everything. And so when we talk about sin, that word in the Greek is harmatia, and what, what it is is it's a word that, that came from archers, and so they would shoot arrows at a target, right? You guys know the axe things that everybody's doing, right? You're just throwing it at a target. And sin just means to simply miss the target, miss the bullseye. Now, I want to tell you that God has a very high standard. We already know this, right? It's a very high standard. I mean, love God with all of your heart, that's really high. I mean, most days, I think I love God with, like, most of my heart. Like, if I got, like, 60%, that's a good day. Yeah. Am I the only one? You say, oh, I love God with all your heart. Well, probably not. <laughs> that's the goal. I'm working on it. So that bullseye is tight, yeah. Yeah. but I'm aiming, and I'm shooting at it, but I miss. Yeah. I sin, and that's what sin means. It just means that you missed the mark. And so, really, sin, you can look at sin as like this. Jesus gave us filled up the whole law in one command, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? And love your neighbor as yourself. So anytime that I fail from that, I've sinned. So today, even though we had awesome worship, I wasn't loving God with all my heart. I might have got like 99%, but the man, the standard is high. And so whenever I don't hit that, I miss the mark. I sin. And so when I go before the Lord and I'm praying, I say, Lord, forgive me of my debt. Forgive me of my sin. So when we pray, we confess the sins that we're aware of, but get this. Then we ask the Lord about the ones that we're not aware of. Because sometimes I sin and I don't even realize it. Some of you are like, well, I didn't know that I was sinning, but I guess I am sinning because I haven't been loving God with all my mind. I've been thinking about a lot of other stuff things I shouldn't be thinking about. I wasn't doing things I shouldn't be done, but I was thinking that's why Jesus is like murder, hate in your heart, whatever you're thinking about, whatever you're meditating on, you've sinned already. So what I'm not talking about is this. I'm not talking about what, what, we, what many would refer to as sin consciousness, where you're living your life and you're going in shame and you're going, I'm just so sinful. I'm just so messed up. I'm so jacked up. No, no, no. You're engaging the Lord and you're saying, listen, I want to love you deeply, Lord. And I know yesterday when I acted like that, I know that that didn't please your heart. I know that didn't honor you. Lord, I know when I watched that on Netflix that I was really missing the mark. Come on. I know whenever I clicked on that link and went to the website and looked at that dirty stuff, I know that wasn't honoring you. So I know those things, but I'm also in the place of prayer. I'm going, Lord, what are the things I don't know about? where I've offended you. And so David prays this in, in Psalm 139. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Some people think they know their heart. You don't know your heart. You might be learning your heart. But he says this, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. So if I'm praying and I get into a place of anxiety and worry and stress, what do I do? I say, Lord, why am I anxious about that? Come on, it's good because you don't know. Some ever bugging you and you don't know why it bugs you? Am I the only one? And so what, what I do is I, I give up for the Lord, and I'm, Lord, why does that bother me so much? 
And then he starts to deal with the root issues. Oh, where I've missed it, where I've missed the mark. And so what I'm doing, when I get to that place, I'm saying, Lord, explore the hidden places. Explore the things that, that I don't see. Get into the recesses of my heart. Get into the caverns. Lord, those deep, deep places. Lord, wounds that are there from 30, 30 years ago. Get into those places, Lord, and show me, have I missed it? And then he says this, point out anything in me that offends you. Did you know that all sin offends God? Now, the good thing is, is God is not offended. Come on. Even though they're offensive to God, he's not offended, right? He's not going around all, you know, angry all the time. His hand isn't on the paddle. Come on. He's not offended just waiting to smite you because you did it again. No, 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 no. That is not his default setting. So what he's saying is, you lead me along, point out anything that offends me, and lead me along the path of everlasting life. So he's saying, Lord, listen, I want all this stuff that's in my heart to be exposed because I want to experience life in the river. I want to experience this full, overabundant life, overflowing, abundant life that you have promised for me, and I don't want to do anything that doesn't coincide with that. And this is the posture that we need to get into when we pray. And so when you're praying and, and you have a tension, right? It's like, uh, not attention, but tension. You ever get there? You're praying and you're like, oh, it doesn't sit well with me. Oh, it's just, and, I, and I did that and oh, I just didn't feel like that. See, some of you never go and apologize to people because you don't ever pray. Because what happens when you get in prayer, your heart starts getting soft and God starts dealing with you about things. And he's not doing it because he's just ready to smite you. He's doing it because he wants you to experience that everlasting life. And the, the problem is sometimes we think that just because we've intended well, that we did well. And that's not always the case. Isn't it true? How many of you have ever hurt someone or did something wrong or missed the mark? Every time I'm, I'm, always, trying to, I'm always trying to hit the mark, but sometimes I just miss even though my intentions are, quote, unquote, pure, I'm missing. But God's not looking at your intentions. Your intentions aren't, aren't what offend him. What offend him is when you miss the mark, and the mark is tight. And so we go to him in this posture saying, Lord, I need you to forgive me, forgive my debts. Because the thing is, is I want, just like we had that awesome tender moment in worship today, I want to have a tender, tender heart. I want, to, I want to be able to, and I, one thing that, I, that I've learned is I've learned to weep. Like, you would have taken, if, if, if I would have saw myself 20 years ago and took a picture, I'd been like, man, he's kind of a baby. <laughs> I would have thought that. But, but that's telling me that I'm growing. I'm growing in tenderness. I'm growing to where things move me a little bit more, and I'm not, I haven't developed a, a callousness and a, re, and a resilience towards, towards the affairs of life. See, tenderness is always, always the goal. So if you think you're more mature because you've toughened up, you've grown all right, carnally. That's how you've grown. You've grown in the flesh. You've grown. But the, but the, the call in the kingdom is not, is not grow in yourself. It's grow in Christ. Come on. The goal of the kingdom is decrease, that he might increase. Um, so I would suggest this to you when you're in prayer and you're experiencing that tension, just ask the Lord about, Lord, why am I feeling this way? Why is my heart towards that person hard? Why is my heart hard towards that issue? And Lord, reveal to me 
what's going on there. And so if you're, and I would also say this, you know, in a society that's so full of self-care and self-love and self-promotion and self, 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 listen, some people think that that's growth because you're more confident in yourself. That is growth, but growth in the wrong direction. Growth in the right, right direction is growing in my confidence in Christ, realizing every day that I need him more than I did yesterday. That's what spiritual growth looks like. It's not about you being more sure of yourself. Listen, if you're more sure of yourself, you're growing in the wrong direction. That's you, not him. And so the prayer tip is this, is is you're getting there, you're in the place of prayer. When you're praying, ask the Lord to reveal where you've missed it. I know you've you've already got to the place where where you you know the things that you know, but what about the things you don't know? Ask the Lord, Lord, what do you know about my heart that I don't know? So ask the Lord to, to reveal where you missed it and then ask for his forgiveness. And then when you do that, you leave it there. You hear me? You leave it there. You don't, you don't dig up next week and go, man, remember what I did two weeks ago? No, you, you left it there. You already confessed. That sin is already dealt with. You've already confessed it to the Lord. And some of you can't get over the sins that you committed 10 or 15 years ago. You know what that is? That's shame. It's not that you're not forgiven. It's just that you can't get, you can't believe that you're forgiven. You can't believe that you're pure. And it's just, it's really important that we put a, put a, put a watch over our heart and, and, and believe that, hey, and we, we deal with the healthy tension and said, listen, God doesn't like me sinning, but when I do sin, I just go to the Lord. I go to the Lord. So 1 John, have we done 1 John yet? 1 John 1.8 says this, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. I, I don't sin, you deceive yourself. And the truth is not in us. It's called deception. If you think that you're living a life where you don't sin, you're deceived. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just. He's the just one. He's the faithful one. And he will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So Jesus is saying, when you get in prayer, confess your sins. And, 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 you know, there's a bad doctrine that says if you don't make the whole list, then you're going to go to hell because you didn't deal with every sin. You're not, you might, you're not going to get to the bottom of the list. I'm just going to tell you right now, you sinned way more than you can imagine. Yesterday. But what you're doing is you're confessing your sinfulness. Lord, I, I miss it a lot. And I want my heart to be tender. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar. And his word is not in us. So, again... Tenderness is always the goal. I'm just going, Lord, I want to be tender. I want to be pure. And then we get that right. But, but also understand this, that we do have a healthy posture towards sin. Can I help you here? The way that we, our, our posture towards sin is, ref, reflects a lot about our perception of God. Let me say that again. Our posture towards sin reflects a lot about our perception of God. And so some of you look at God like he's a taskmaster that he's sitting on his throne in heaven. He's frustrated because the world's a mess. He's angry, and he's got his hand on the paddle. And he's just waiting to bust someone. And some people won't pray because they're afraid if they pray that God's going to bust them. Right? Like he's this tyrant, cosmic taskmaster that's just wanting to punish. So is he that? Or is he a holy, kind king who has a standard, who expects this if you will, an unrealistic standard of us, but he's also kind and merciful. 
Do you see him that way? Or when you sin, are you just like, oh, it's just the way that I am? Oh, it's just because we live in such a broken world. Have you missed the mark? Are you justifying missing the mark or are you confessing it? The way that we need to look at our, our sin is the same way that you would look at, that I would look at with my relationship with Leslie. And so if there's something that I do that offends her, I'm not trying to hide it. Come on. I, and she confronts me with it. I'm not going, well, well you should just get over it because that's the way I am. No, I'm going, I love you. I don't, want to, I don't want your heart to be hurt. I don't want you to be wounded. This is the way that we need to approach God. God, I don't want to do anything that would bring dishonor to you. I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to plead my rights to say, I get to sin because of this, that, and the other. No, no, no. I'm saying, Lord, I don't plead my rights. I, I, I love you. And I want you to be first in my life. I want to bring honor and glory to you. It's not about my rights. It's about me laying myself down for love. If I'm ever nonchalant about sin, I've forgotten how holy is. And some of you, you you've just been sinning, sinning, sinning. You, don't ever, you never take that sin to the Lord because you have in your mind that you're going to do it again, so you don't even confess it. Why would you continue to do that to someone who loves you so much? If I'm ever ungrateful for forgiveness, I've forgotten what he has rescued me from. I, I, listen, I'll tell you that one of the things that I've grown in is I'm more grateful for God for my salvation than I was when I came to the Lord in 1993. I'm so thankful because I look at, I look at people, I look at people that were living the same life that I was, come on, almost 30 years ago, and I look at the mess. I look at the drama. I look at the struggle that they've had. And I look at the Lord and I'm like, Lord, I'm, and it's not a, not a, like a pity on them, but I'm just like, man, God, I'm so glad that you rescued me. I'm so grateful that you rescued me. Oh, grace. The grace of God that rescued me, not just from hell one day, but from a life of misery. So my question to you today is, how do you perceive him to be? Not just sin. But how do you perceive him to be? First uh, John continues right here. Dear beloved, dear friends, dear children, I write this to you so you will not sin. Don't sin. Don't do it. But if anyone does sin, and they're probably going to, we have an advocate with the Father. Come on, not just to the Father, but with the Father. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but the sins of the whole world. See, what we have in America is a sin problem. It's a sin problem. What we have in the world, the problem with the world, is a sin problem. It's because people can't behave well. Yeah, I know we don't do well. None of us do well. So what do you do about sin? You get it before God. Jesus paid a high price to deal with the sin issue. So it says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, and there we will receive mercy. What is mercy? Mercy is whenever you receive, when you don't receive what you should receive. What I should receive for the life that I live is hell. 
That's what I should receive. But instead, mercy said, I'll rescue you from that. I'll provide to people. How can a mean God, how can a good God send people to hell? That sounds like a mean God to me. No, 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 you're missing the point. God in his mercy saw that you were going to hell, and he said, I'll take care of the payment for their sin. I'll provide the way so they don't have to go to hell. So God in his mercy sent Jesus. And because of that, we will find grace to help us when we need it, need it most. And that's from the point of coming to the Lord for salvation or the, or the moment 30 years later, whenever I'm, whenever I'm dealing with something, when I've got a struggle in my life, I have grace to help me whenever I need it. So mercy is not getting what we deserved. I love uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, the apostle Paul. You can learn a lot of doctrine by reading what the apostles prayed. And he prays this. He says, God who is rich in mercy. It's the only thing that I can find in the scripture that says God's rich in. We know that he's super rich. But it says God is rich in what? In mercy. God isn't rich in wrath. He's not rich in anger. He's rich in mercy. He's, he's like a billionaire in mercy. He's a multi-billionaire mercy giver. And some people look at God like he's, a, he's, he's got pent-up anger. Right? He's just waiting... He's waiting to, to smite someone. He's just, you know, his, his hand is on the paddle. He's just waiting for someone to do something stupid so he can smite them. And this is kind of the view that the Jews had. This is why when Jesus shows up, and it tells us this in 1 John that they didn't receive him when he showed up. Part of the reason why they didn't receive him is because when Jesus shows up, Jesus, who is the fullness of God, Colossians tells us when Jesus shows up, they reject him. Why? Because Jesus came leading with mercy. It's the same mercy that God tells Moses about. So you guys know Moses. So Moses is like, and all the people, they have this, this idea of God that's pretty broken. And I think God's just really upset all the time. He's frustrated. So God's like, well, here's, here's what I expect. Here's the law. Here's the covenant. He gives them the law. Gives it to Moses. Moses comes off the mountain with the law. And the people had already broken the law before he got off the mountain. So Moses gets frustrated and sins. And he breaks the tablets. I don't want to be Moses. <laughs> I mean, God is holy. And he's like, oh, I blew it. And he's like, he says, Lord, he says, we don't want to go anywhere without you. We don't want to go anywhere without your covenant. He said, will you show us your glory? And we're thinking, man, if God's going to show his glory, he's, he's about to take a bunch of people out. And in fact, he's probably going to take Moses out because he just broke, literally broke the covenant. And God says, I will show you my glory. I will cause my goodness to pass in front of you. Not I will cause my wrath to pass in front of you. I will call, and listen, he is a God of wrath, but that is not his default. Tracking? He gets angry. His anger lasts for a moment. So God, God says, you know what? I'll, I'll cause my goodness to, to, to go in front of you. And so God comes and he speaks. And this is what the Lord says. Yahweh, the Lord. What is he saying? Covenant-keeping God. Yahweh is the covenant name of God. The God of compassion and mercy. I mean, he's leading with that. He's like, I know you guys are all scared and freaked out. Moses is like, I'm going to hide you, Moses, because you can't handle this. And he hides Moses, and he's like, I'm going to show you who I am. And he tells him, I'm full of compassion. 
I'm full of mercy. Yes, there is justice coming, and he tells Moses that very clearly. But he leads with his nature. He leads with compassion. He leads with mercy. Why? Because his anger lasts for a moment. That word for a moment, actually, in, in the Hebrew language, it's, it's the same. It means this. It means, it means short nostrils. You know how when you get mad and your nostrils flare up? God is slow in anger. It takes a long time for it to come out. This is why scripture tells us that he's provoked to anger. You don't have to provoke God's mercy. You don't have to provoke God's kindness. Why? Because those things are in his nature. See, mercy is his default because mercy is his nature. That's who he is. He's, he's a pent-up flood of mercy. There's a, he's just waiting. Who can I show my mercy today? He is not ticked off. He is not upset. He is good. He is kind. He is wild. He is holy. But he's kind. He's merciful. He's merciful. He's merciful. So because we have received mercy, we can give it. Come on. Because we have received, freely I've received mercy. I can give mercy. Because I've received forgiveness, I can give forgiveness. When you offend me, I can forgive you. When, when I offend you, you can forgive me. And when you offend me, I can forgive you. Why? Because I'm full of the one who is mercy. And he wants to extend his mercy. And then he says this. Jesus calls us to pray. Don't just receive mercy. Don't just ask for forgiveness. But he says, as we forgive our debtors, those that have sinned against us. See, some of you have been carrying around old mustard. Expired mustard in your heart. You've just taken up space. It's replacing what God wants to do in your life. It's called unforgiveness. And you say, well, you don't know what they did, Pastor. I don't know what they did, but I know what Jesus did. I know what Jesus did for me. Do you know what Jesus did for you? And when you realize that you've been forgiven of such a great debt, it's so easy to forgive those that have sinned against you. And I know that when it's hard for me to forget, forgive people, it's because I forgot what Jesus did for me. So we need to daily purge the things that we're offended about, the people that we're offended by. See, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting someone else to die, right? I just, I just drink that. I'm so mad. It's affecting you. It's affecting them too, but it's mostly affecting you. And some people have this, this ambition. Well, I'm going to, you know, this chip on their shoulder. Like, I'm going to prove all the critics wrong. Where is that coming from? You don't need to prove anybody. You're loved by your father. You don't have to prove anything to anybody. Just be the child of God that you were designed to be. That's all you need to do to be successful. That is success. Prove the critics wrong. There will be critics. Don't get caught up on the critics. Forgive the critics. Forgive the people that land blast you all the time. I had this, this thing happen a year and a half ago. This guy, like, 
would only get on Facebook to argue. And so my, my biggest pet peeve, like it's like, it's the daily purge, right? And I don't even remember what it was. He was just, you know, the only time I ever hear from this guy is when he wants to argue. You know, they're called trolls. And so I'm like, oh. And so I lashed out. I sinned because I reacted in anger. That's sinful. And so he got all hurt, <laughs> and he blocks me on Facebook. Like, I'm like, this guy's like a friend. Like, he's a brother in the Lord. And so this happened like a year and a half ago. So I'm driving the other day, driving down the road. And I'm like, hey, you remember that? <laughs> it's like, yeah. It wasn't real, very godly of me to act like that. And I just felt like the Lord is saying, you need, to, you need to reach out to him. And so I just started praying for him. And God just gave me compassion. And so I sent him a message on Facebook you know, looking for that read receipt. But I guess because he blocked me, he couldn't read it. So I was like, man, what's happening? Like, I've got to reach this guy. I've got to like, I've got to like repent to this brother. Like, cause, and that's what I told him. I was, I was like, I have not treated you like a brother. I sinned against you and I reacted out of anger and I'm sorry. Would you please forgive me? And listen, what he was doing was not cool. It was so irritating. But I, but I knew that I, it, it was having, it, it was having residence in my heart. And it is such a, you might say that's such a little deal. It doesn't matter how big the deal is. The, the deal is it's a little, little bottle of mustard, but it's still there. And so I, I, I had his number on my phone. So I, I wanted to send it to him on Facebook because I could get that read receipt. And so he didn't respond after three days. I mean, I'm like obsessed, you know, checking it every day. Father, you know, because I'm trying to get released from it. So finally, I, I just sent him a text message. And I was like, listen, brother, I was like, I wanted to repent to you for, for just being reactive, and, you know, just, I just, I was like, I hope you're doing well, I hope your family's well, I did not treat you like a brother, and I'm sorry, and God just did a work in my heart, and it's, it's zero to do with justifying his behavior, but what it was doing is it was getting rid, purging the offense that I was carrying around, and I'm so glad the Holy Ghost told me to do that, because in that moment, I got softer, I got a little softer, so Jesus is with the disciples, and Peter comes to him, Matthew 18, and he says, hey, Jesus, somebody sins against you. How many times should we forgive them? I'm going to be real spiritual with Jesus. How about like seven times? I mean, seven's a lot, right? Most of us can't handle one offense, right? Oh, they did it, did it once. You know, you're a fool. Do it twice. I'm a fool. You guys know all that stuff, all that, that carnal garbage. And I said, and so Peter says, how many times, Lord? What's this? Seven times? I forgive someone seven times for doing the same wrong thing to me? How about that, Jesus? And Jesus is like, how about 70 times seven? How about unlimited, unpin up mercy for those that sin against you? And so Jesus goes on to tell him this parable called the parable of the, of the unmerciful servant. And what happens is he says, the kingdom is like, anytime he ever says that, we need to perk up. He says, the kingdom is like a servant who went to the king that he owed this debt to. He owed him a million dollars. And he says, please forgive me. I'll never be able to work off my debt. Would you just forgive me of my debt? 
And it says that, he, that the king had compassion on him. He said, yes, absolutely. I'll forgive you of your million dollars. I don't need the money. I just, I forgive you. I give mercy. I release you of your debt. And so this free man goes to one of his fellow servants who owed him $1,000. Not a million dollars, just $1,000. And he said, you owe me $1,000. He's like, please, would you have mercy on me? I don't have the money. He's like, no, pay me the $1,000. He says he grabs him by the throat and demands the money. He has him tortured and thrown into prison because of the debt. So the king finds out. The king that had forgiven him of a million bucks. And he takes the man and he puts the debt back on him. This isn't Josh Brown saying this. This is Jesus. And Jesus said it will be the same way when we refuse to exercise forgiveness. And this man ended up having to work for his debt of a million dollars. A debt that he was forgiven of, but because he couldn't forgive. Let me tell you something today. Some of you have unanswered prayers in your life because of unforgiveness. It's not because God isn't good. It's not because God isn't kind. God wants to answer those prayers. But because of the hardness of your heart, you're not seeing your prayers answered. See, God is serious about forgiveness. He's equally as serious about unforgiveness. He's serious. Jesus says this, Matthew chapter 22. He says, "I, I say to you, if you're even angry with someone, you're subject to judgment If you call someone an idiot, well, what if they are an idiot? If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you're in the danger of the fires of hell. So if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar of the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice, leave your worship, leave your offering at the altar and go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifices to God. What is he saying? He's saying you're wasting your prayers if you're, if you're unforgiving. It's not about what the person did. Listen, this is, this is tough, Jesus. And he's like, well, I've got mercy. And I've got enough to overflow in and through your life. Will you exercise it? Will you exercise it? See, forgiveness is the greatest expression of love. It's the greatest expression. There's no greater expression of love. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might receive the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Why do you think he did that? It's because he loves you. So the prayer tip is this. When you're praying, if relational tensions arise, immediately. Don't wait. Well, I just don't know if it's God's timing. It is God's timing. You know when it's God's time for forgiveness? Now, yesterday. It's already God's timing. Don't wait for the best opportunity. Make the opportunity. Some of you need to send a text message today. Some of you need to pick up the phone and call somebody that you've been harboring bitterness about because you need to be free, and they need to be free. Well, I love them, but I'll never forgive them. Then you can't be forgiven. That's the credential. Jesus said it. I'm repeating it. So for, this is the prayer tip. If relational tensions arise, immediately work towards reconciliation. Doesn't mean that you'll be best friends, but you'll reconcile the difference. Listen, I know that this is a hard time. I can't tell you how many times that someone has sinned against me that should have came to me 
And I'm reminded about it in prayer. And I said, go, you know what? I'm not going to wait for them. I'm going to go. And I'm going to be kind. I'm going to exercise grace. I'm going to say, listen, this situation happened. This happened to us. I sinned against. I just had to reach out and say, listen, I'm sorry this happened. I know there was a misunderstanding and some frustrations and we weren't on the same page. But I just want you to know, like, I'm grateful for you. I love you. I care about you. And God just takes that weight off my heart. So today, have those conversations. I want to pray this scripture over you. Will you stand? We're going we're gonna to take communion. We're going to end with communion. I know it's late. We've had awesome ministry time earlier. If you don't have communion elements, you just lift your hands. Ephesians 4.30 says, And do not bring sorrow to the Holy Spirit. You know how you bring sorrow to the Holy Spirit? He tells us right here, by the way that you live. Remember, he's identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. So get rid of all bitterness. Get rid of all rage, all anger, all harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you.